Hi, I'm Susan Foch, and when I was 18 years old, I launched a national nonprofit organization out of my freshman college dorm room. Now, with almost a decade of experience under my belt, I'm here to teach you my tried and true tips and tricks for running your own nonprofit or social enterprise and how to build it from the ground up. You're listening to this podcast because you're ready to make a difference in this world. I see you, I hear you, and I'm ready to help you. Now let's make an impact together. You're listening to the Make an Impact podcast, episode 57, and today is a treat. I am not exaggerating when I say that this is one of my favorite episodes to date, hands down. Honestly, it's one of the most unique, but also what an incredible honor it was to sit down with Ainsley McLeod and talk about the nonprofit sector and really any person in a helping career, um, a helping or healing career. So whether that is the nonprofit sector, social work, therapy, um, being a doctor, a midwife, an acupuncturist, whatever it is that you do to help and heal people. And especially those who have always described their careers as feeling called to do this, feeling like this, you just intrinsically knew that this was the right path for you, that you want to help people, that you're here to make the world a better place. That is not random. That is not a surprise. You feel that way deep down in your soul. And we say things like that a lot, right? Like, the phrase old soul, deep down in the soul, soul crushing, soulmate. But a lot of people don't actually really understand the nuances behind our souls. And Ainsley McLeod is kind of a, I'm going to go ahead and call him a soul expert <laughs> at this point. Not that I think anyone really can be because what a dynamic topic, but if anyone is, it definitely is him. Ainsley McLeod has written three books on the topic of our souls. He works with a variety of spirit guides, which he will explain in the episode, um, basically, I believe as a psychic, to honestly to help people, to help people understand who they are, where they've been, where we're going, a lot of times why we are the way that we are. And he'll explain a lot in the episode that usually a lot of the way that we are today from fears to strengths to uh, special unique skills and talents really are all rooted in a past life, which I think is so incredibly fascinating. We can't, as he says in the episode, we cannot understand who we are without understanding where we've been. Um, So he literally has been the author of three books. Number one being The Instruction, Living the Life Your Soul Intended. Number two, The Transformation, Healing Your Past Lives to Realize Your Soul's Potential. And honestly, my personal favorite is his most recent, which is just called The Old Soul's Guidebook, Who You Are, Why You're Here, and How to Navigate Life on Earth. This definitely is a little bit more of an interesting episode. I don't think people are really expecting this kind of conversation. This definitely is something that I think will only resonate if you also identify as an old soul. And you definitely have to have an open mind in this conversation because it's understanding the path, the path and the past of your soul and really an understanding that we have lived so many lifetimes, but our soul has stayed as one. It has stayed consistent. We've you know, done many lives on, on here on the physical plane on earth, but that's not really the case for our soul. And I think that sometimes that's a hard concept for people to wrap their heads around. So if you get through this episode, please be open-minded. And a couple of quick things before we dive in, just as an explanation to some of the the nuances in our conversation, we will be talking about, so first of all, your soul age and what really is an old soul. Um, He describes it in the books, and I think we got really deep into this conversation that we didn't take any time to kind of back up and explain for for new people to this concept. But um, in all of his books, he breaks down that there really are 10 soul ages, um, basically ages one through 10. Now we live, according to his estimations, about 120 to 150 lifetimes. Um, again, the soul is, is is alive really only once. It's just bouncing back and forth. But so an old soul is anywhere in be- that's considered a level six and up. Um, so you can live many lifetimes within one level of an age uh, before you, you level up into a different one. So if you're six through 10, you're considered an old soul. 
Uh, we also will discuss the different soul types. There are 10 different soul types we can have. Uh, he actually has a really handy dandy quiz on his website, uh, which I will link down in the show notes so that you can actually, it's like a 50 question quiz. It's essentially a personality test, but for your soul type. So if you've taken an Enneagram test, a Myers-Briggs or whatever, um, it's basically this, but it'll tell you your soul type and there are 10 soul types, 10 soul ages. And there's also, and we kind of lightly touch on them, but there's also 10 major soul fears and 10 soul um, missions that we come to uh, with our with our lives so a mission for I think he said one was uh, um, adventure one was a mission for immortality a mission for connection so uh, just be aware that there are everything that we talk about and the nuances of, of this conversation pretty much he's broken them all down into like rules of 10 so again 10 ages 10 soul types 10 fears and 10 missions to accomplish. I really, really would encourage everyone to go follow him on social media, which is just at Ainsley underscore McLeod. Uh, look him up online. Go take the soul type quiz on his website. Again, I've linked it down in the show notes. It is so fascinating. Um, Ainsley, aside from being uh, obviously a fantastic author with three books, he's had so many incredible interviews with different people about this exact topic. Uh, one of the first ones I found from him was actually Oprah. He interviewed with Oprah on Super Soul Sunday, which I mean, how fitting. And if you have any questions, uh, he posts so much great content on his on on Instagram. Um, he also will do some long explanations, like five minute videos on certain things, in the form of an IGTV. So you can also kind of see him and and hear him explain really niche topics. So, but today I wanted to talk to him about why certain people are really drawn to nonprofit careers, why certain people are drawn to being helpers, while some people um, are actively unhelpful and make the world a harder place, why some people uh, really are rooted in that selfishness and they only look out for for number one and uh, don't give a dime to charity while some people are bleeding for charity. It's an incredibly fascinating conversation and I could not be more honored to have sat down with him and talk about this. He's like a legend in the soul world. So I I was so honored. And I think I said that word to him like 50 times <laughs> in the course of our our conversation. So without further ado, I have one last announcement before this episode kicks off, which is please, 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 oh, please, um, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever it is, please leave a five-star rating and a review. It helps so much. Uh, we haven't had a new review in a really long time. It makes me uh, really sad. And honestly, looking at the numbers and the downloads for this show, I know there's a lot of you out there listening who are not leaving reviews. I can feel it deep down in my soul, uh, please take just two minutes, just not even like one minute, um, pause this episode, go leave the five-star rating in the review. It helps me out tremendously. Um, and then make sure that you come back to listen to Ainsley McLeod. And with that being said, I'm going to stop jabbering. This has been like the longest intro ever. Without any further ado, Ainsley, thank you so, so, so much for being on the show. Um, can you tell people just a little bit about yourself, your background and how you just came to, how you became the person that you are today and where you are as this, the soul expert, uh, psychic of, of our past lives, however, <laughs> however you want to phrase it. Oh, all right. Where to begin? Uh, well, in, in a nutshell, you know, what, I, what I'm usually asked is, you know, how did I become a psychic? Uh, you know, what was the, the path there? So, you know, it, really in a nutshell, I was, I was born in Scotland, lived there until my, it's in my 20s, left college, moved to London. Um, I spent my life as an artist, uh, most of it. Uh, I was a full-time freelance illustrator for years. Um, but I kind of got interested in psychics actually the, the the weird thing is that i i first went to see a psychic to de, to debunk her and i actually came out with it after an hour with my hair standing up on end and going <laughs> oh my god how did she know that does she have detectives she's been following me what's going on and so um it's sort of it was a weird thing a cognitive dissonance i believe it's called you know where i i actually was for a big part of my life i i was an atheist i was convinced there was nothing beyond at the same time i was fascinated by the whole psychic 
kind of thing. And then there was a, a moment where um, I, I tell the story all the time because this was, it blew my mind. It changed my life and you know, it changed the course of my life. And it was running into my deceased uncle in a bookstore in Hawaii. I was on a trip there and um, he appeared for like a second, but with a longer message about working together. And I've been hearing for years, people telling me that I should be working with my uncle. He's a spirit guide. He wants to, wants to work with me. I have no idea how to start. You know, it's like, what do you do? So after that experience, which, you know, it, it really changed everything. I, I just tried communicating with the other side. I mean, literally just sat down and went, okay, spirit guides, my uncle, you know, talk to me. And I discovered that I had some, some talent there, at least some ability. I mean, it was extremely rudimentary when I first started. It was, you know, it took ages to get the simplest bit of information, but I just practiced and worked at it. And, uh, developed a relationship with a group of spirit guides that I work with now. And, uh, and that's led me to what I do in my day job is I, I, I read people, I, I particularly focus on past lives, clearing out the sort of trauma and debris and stuff that we we're carrying in from, from other lives and uh, really getting into that to help us to move forward in this life and figure out who we are and why we're here. As I say, you can't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. You don't know who you are if you don't know who you were. You know, it's, it's very, very important to look at your past lives. They, they explain absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. um, the, the longer I do the work, the more I believe this, that, that there is nothing about we humans that uh, isn't past life related in some way. You know, our, um, sorry, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here. This is not just about me right, <laughs> That's anymore, okay. right? That, That's where um, the conversation goes. <laughs> <laughs> the older I get, the more I realize, I think I do have ADHD. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like firing off in different directions here. So yeah, anyway, sort of in a short, you know, I've really started, um, that became more of the focus of the work that I do um, over time, you know, just more, more and more past life work and just seeing incredible results with people healing, um, limiting beliefs, fears, phobias, even physical ailments. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been quite, quite extraordinary seeing that, uh, that kind of unfold. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's me in a, in a nutshell. And now you live <laughs> in the Pacific Northwest and you, you have a family and you do all the, all the other fun things as I well, do. right? <laughs> yeah, I have a normal life <laughs> as well. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just on the astral plane all day, you know, kind of, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> right. Yeah. I have a, a <clears throat> yes, I have a, a, a wife. I've got two, two uh, kids who are, kind of growing well they're 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 20 and 21 now mm. and uh we have a lovely cat who joins us often for um meetings like this uh, you might get the chance to meet lily at some point uh, she turns up we, we do world sunday every week uh we do a, a half hour broadcast on sunday um and uh lily is the guest <laughs> star I mean, she doesn't make it every week but uh, people look forward you know i've got bets on whether she's going to appear or I love yeah. that. Well, I think it's funny because I love that you've even commented again, I've, I've read all three of your books, but that you've commented on the fact that we do have furry soulmates uh, that we can find. Yes. Yeah. Time. Yes. Which I love that. I love that. Also, I think you've commented that Lily has been with you in this life before. Correct. She was, she was, she was my cat tiger when I was a kid mm -hmm. and uh, he was an orange cat. She's actually orange, which is a little bit unusual for mm -hmm. female cats, apparently. Uh, yes, it was a, a moment when uh, I went to uh, pick her out at the, the rescue place with my kids. And they're going, hey, dad, look at these, look at these cute ones. And I'm going, no, that's, that's my Lily. That's, I, could, I yeah. spotted her right away. I'm going, that's the one. And uh, yeah. yeah, we have that sort of inseparable furry soulmate bond <laughs> thing. So uh, I love that. She came into my life when I was going through just uh, going through divorce, separation, and stuff, and so mm -hmm. I was in my sad little apartment on my own. But at least I had the love of my my kitty. I've done that. Yeah, so we really bonded. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel that. I mean, yeah. literally, even down to the fact that she's a full orange female. <laughs> so, but, oh, really? That was so yes, right. And her name is Penelope, and I, that's what I find so funny. Anyone who's had a very close bond with a certain pet, it's like, oh, well, maybe you've. 
maybe you've been pet in, in person before, which I think is quite funny. I, I think for a lot of us, uh, the, the animals that we have in our life are ones that we've known before. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, they have shorter lives mostly than, uh, you know, unless it's a tortoise or something. But, um, <laughs> you know, generally, they, they, they have the opportunity to come back more than once in, in your life, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, for an old soul, you're, you're, it's, it's the same with people. When you get to be an older soul, the people you want around, and the same is with the animals, you want ones that you've known before because it, it gives you a greater opportunity to experience intimacy, you know, getting a really deep connection with others. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's part of the, 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 the spirit guides that I work with have actually described it as the great game. For them, it's helping us to find connections, you know, obviously not just with cats and dogs and so on, but, you know, with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all the time they're working to help us connect and, and meet each other. Like, you know, there, there, there will be work on the other side going on to ensure that we do this today together. You know, we, we mm -hmm. connect up, you know. So, yeah. And so oh, yeah. if you're paying attention to your intuition, you, you, you know, it, it can really help you um, when it comes to people. It's sometimes avoiding those people who are maybe not so good to be around and mm -hmm. um, maybe finding those ones that you should be with and mm -hmm. connecting with. I do have a thousand questions for you about soulmates and our connections. <laughs> and I have that for a miscellaneous, but for the sake of starting our interview, I do want to start on the theme of the show, which is about uh, really the journey of our soul, our soul types, and the fact that there is quite the segment of people, if I understand this correctly, that really are the ones who are called to um, the work of this audience, the nonprofit people, the social workers, the therapists, like the yeah. people who have just decided to dedicate themselves to helping careers. And I've always felt very deep in my soul that it was, you know, there's a reason why we're really all called to this work versus being a, a, a truck driver or being someone who's just like an Elon Musk and makes a billion dollars and doesn't seem to care about other That's people. That's it. Right. Well, that, that, that is, you know, one of the things that I talk about in my books is the age of the soul, you know, how, how we age through our many lifetimes, you know, and broadly speaking, I mean, you're, you're thinking about maybe, you know, 100 plus lifetimes that, that we would go through from life one to, and maybe, you know, I think 110, 120, somewhere around that is the, the average mm -hmm. um, to really get all the experience that you want on the physical plane. And, and to do that takes maybe something like, uh, it could be about 6,000 years or something, you know, bouncing back and forth between here and the astral plane, uh, which is where you go between lives. You go to process and prepare for the next life. Um, so it can take about that long to, to get through all of that. The people that I work with or who are drawn to this work are very much older souls. And the system that I use that I describe in the first book, the instruction, which was given to me by the spirit guides, uh, breaks they break pretty much everything, every part of our life plan down into 10 just convenient pieces. It doesn't have to be 10, it's not a magic number, but it's, it's certainly convenient. And so we look at soul ages as being from, life, from level one to level 10. So people that I work with are kind of right up, you know, level eight, nine, 10. Um, younger souls are not interested in this kind of work. You know, it doesn't really speak to them. And so they... There's several things going on here. The other thing that I talk about is soul types. We choose our personality before coming into this world. Again, there's 10 soul types. These are archetypes that are based on your function, maybe going back thousands of years. It could be back in sort of tribal times. Um, everyone had a purpose, you know, with somebody to lead, somebody to take care of the sick and dying, you know, like uh, we all had a purpose. And uh, so we have soul types. And we, for each lifetime, we access different um, personality types, these, these soul types, to give a flavor to who we are. In fact, we come into this world, you know, I always say that people who think that babies are born as blank slates have obviously never met one because <laughs> they come in, you know, like fully loaded computers, you know, they've got all, all that stuff in there and it's just sort of coming out, you know. I mean, I read my kids when they were uh, an hour old, each of them, and you know, it's fascinating. It's all in there, you know, and then to see it all unfold over, over the years, you know, and step into who they, they are. It's been, you know, utterly fascinating. So um, the, why you get these, well, you get a particular kind of old soul drawn to nonprofit work. Um, so what happens is that your soul is getting, 
getting older and it starts to see that it's a, most of its lives are behind it, very few lifetimes ahead. And the more, the closer to the end of the journey the, the soul gets, the more it doesn't want to waste time, the more it wants to work off karma, any negative karma it might be carrying from past lives, and the more it wants to help other people. So the, it, it's like the pressure's on, you know, you want to make a difference. There's something else that, so, the, well, a couple of things here. One is that the spiritualist soul type is the one that you're going to see everywhere. I, I honestly, I work with spiritualist soul types all day. Yeah, hello. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, the, it, it's, the, it's the person most likely to, to be drawn to this work and, yeah. You know, the person most likely to call me is going to be a spiritualist type. This, you learn to be a spiritualist type from past lives with, it seems to be two different paths, but they're actually very related. And they are as either uh, contemplative, you know, like a priest, nun, monk, uh, that sort of path, um, or a healer, um, so, you know, surgeon, midwife, uh, acupuncturist, whatever. Um, but the, the, the reason you see that in the same personality type is that it's all about connection to the other side, you know, spiritual connection that you develop through these lives of contemplation and so on, connecting to spirit, um, along with the experience of healing and helping others. And so the other thing that kicks in for a lot of very much older souls is um, you, you, you're down to the wire. You don't want to keep coming, having to come back. You know? So you do want to sort of ideally end this life, being able to look back and say, well, the world's a better place for my having been here you know i've really contributed to changing the the world for the better um and to to that end an awful lot of people that i work with spiritualist types will choose what's called a desire for immortality as part of their life plan and i always point out this is not about living forever the desire for immortality is the soul's impetus or desire to um leave a legacy or create a ripple effect of some kind. And so the people that you would see in, in the nonprofit world or uh, well, you know, healing world or, or whatever, they're, they're going to be, an awful lot of them are going to be very old souls, old soul spiritualists uh, with that desire for immortality. And, and actually if the, the way most, I think probably the most common way that I see people uh, fulfilling that desire for immortality is to write a book. I mean, I, I see that so often, but there's so many other ways, you know, you can, um, you know, I often use as an example, I have a client who finds homes for poor immigrants and is fulfilling that desire for immortality the, that way, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're creating that ripple effect, you know, you're maybe allowing people to have a life that they wouldn't have had otherwise, maybe they have children they wouldn't have had otherwise, you know, so it kind of, it can snowball or last, last beyond your time here. See, this is the part, every time I've listened to an interview with you or even read one of the books, but now talking to you, I always feel very directly called out because <laughs> I'm also currently in the process of writing a book. <laughs> so there we go. Um, that's hilarious. Okay. I'm wondering about Good. for, uh, okay, so you mentioned, you said something very interesting that I would like to talk about, which is for older souls where you made the comment, we're working off uh, did you say karmic debt? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We, we, we incur negative karma in past lives. We, we, well, we could do it in this life, of course, through actions that take other people off their life plan. Really for something to, to reach that level of, of being karmic, it has to affect somebody's life plan uh, or affect your own, of course. What, what your soul is trying to do again, because it's sort of getting to the end of the journey, it's, it's, um, it's trying to clean up things, you know, tidy up the, the, the past smooth the path into the into the future hopefully get to the astral plane and feel well the job's here done you know it's done i don't have to keep coming back so uh what your soul is, is doing all the time is kind of looking at well i've got unresolved issues here i've got unresolved issues there um how do i work this out now sometimes you'll work out things with someone that you were connected with in a past life maybe you ripped somebody off in a past life and then in this life, they come in as a member of your family and you give them an opportunity to perhaps go to college or, you know, have a life that they might not have otherwise had. So you're, you're balancing the karma that way. Hmm. Um, other times, 
you're not able to do it with the the person maybe was directly involved or maybe there was no one person and so i see a lot of people being drawn to healing professions and trying to find ways to to really help others and it could be the, the interesting thing about it is you don't know nor are you really supposed to know often what the cause of the karma was because we're we're not supposed to uh, judge and, and what i'm talking about here is that you'll see people who become let's say a humanitarian because they massacred people in a past life you know they're responsible for a genocide so of course the soul will go well you know we'll spend many many lifetimes making up for that you know helping helping people but you could also get somebody who had their life saved you know in a war by a mobile army hospital unit or something and in this life the karma is almost like a form of gratitude um, and that person will want to be a healer to, to, you know, because they know what it's like to be in need and want to help, so they want to help other people to do it. Uh, so, uh, you, you know, you're not supposed to look at somebody who's helping others and say, oh, they must have done something really bad in a past life, or you, we don't know, you know, it's just, uh, we're I, not supposed to really. I was going to uh, say, that's a question I've thought of for a while, because I was thinking about, you know, and reflecting on the journey of the soul, the fact that, so we'll finish a, a, a life in human form here, We'll go to the astral plane yeah. review. Uh, and so sometimes I wondered about like truly evil people. You know, I was like, what hap What about like, because it's weird sometimes I think to think of like the Hitlers and the Stalins of the world having souls, like, and they go to that astral plane yeah. too. So is that, so is that really to say that probably after those lives, they're now working off as humanitarians to correct that wrong? Uh, that, that would be absolutely correct. You, you would totally want to do that. The thing is that, that what, what, what um, I think people don't always like is the fact that there, there is no punishment. And, okay. and they go, yeah, but what about Hitler? What, you know, what about Stalin? What about Mao? <laughs> you know, these people took millions of lives and, you know, what, they just they get off free? Well, no, there's going to be karma. And the soul will certainly spend a long time, you know, doing humanitarian work, helping others. Um, the thing about karma is it's not punishment, like a lot of people think it is, you know, like mm. you, you murdered somebody in a past life, so you got to be murdered in this life. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that, partly because your soul is always trying to protect you, you know, would, would never put you in a, deliberately in a situation where you're going to get, get hurt, although there's some nuances there I could go into. But karma, yeah, it's just what, you know, the, the thing I wanted to say about that is that we're all working on karma of some kind, you know, we're all trying to work off uh, these, if you, you, I think you used the term karmic debt, you know, absolutely, there's an imbalance and, we, the, and we're working it off in, in certain ways. Um, and so we get impelled from within to, to do things, you know, where you, where you feel like, I just really want to do this. I've seen, for example, um, you know, somebody who was a starving orphan, uh, you know, I mentioned this to a client one time, you know, that. Um, She'd been a, uh, an orphan who'd starved to death uh, in, in Africa. And she, she said it was her dream. She'd always wanted to go to Africa and, and help orphans. Uh, and that's, that's karma at work. You know, where, where does that um, urge to, to help come from? And why is it so specific? Because it can sometimes be even gender specific. You know, it's like a person who's been a, uh, a mistreated girl in a past life might want to help girls in this life, you know? So it's a, it's a, a very specific form of uh, healing karma. It's actually uh, described as a spiritual act. And a spiritual act is anything that you do that um, it's where you, you heal yourself by helping those who suffer as you once did, whether it was in this life or a past life. A very typical one I see, because I work with a lot of coaches, so I see this all the time, is people who have been disempowered in a past life. This is a past life fear of powerlessness. Uh, maybe they were imprisoned or enslaved. You'll find that um, in this life, they want a lot of freedom. And, you know, they've been imprisoned or enslaved. So this, they, they always resonate with the phrase, don't tell me what to do or don't fence me in. You know, if you, if you think those words or said them a lot, you know you're working through something from that past mm -hmm. life. But what I've seen with coaches is that if they've been disempowered in a past life, well, in this life, the personal karma is that they want to become an empowered person. 
you know, learn to be really strong and empowered. But they also want to help other people to do the same. They mm-hmm. want to teach other people to be in, empowered. And often that is the, the sort of almost like the key word to describe what, what someone's trying to do through their work. You know, what kind of coach am I? Well, you know, it really comes down to you're trying to empower others because that's your, your experience. Mm. So that's a certainly form of form of karma. That's fascinating because one of the questions I was asking was if there were. I mean, the soul can be traumatized in a way, right? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, and I, and I think we didn't talk about this earlier, but you've described before, like you know, we have human lives, but our soul is just one long, you know, bit. Yeah. Yeah. And thereby so, like the problem. Actually. <laughs> right. That's like the problem for all of this. But so, so it's, it can be very direct of like, I spent this life, um, you know, starving and homeless. So now in this one, I, I care so deeply about the hungry and the homeless, Absolutely. But, but it's not always that specific. Maybe it's just that general mm-hmm. like urge to yes. help. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't have to be specific at all. Mm. The, the, the whole thing just, you touched on there, but, um, why, why the soul needs to be reminded about past lives, why past life work works is, um, you know, when I'm working with somebody, I will find a past life sometimes, well, usually with a client, uh, before I talk to them the first time, I'll actually get a past life of theirs. So we got um, something to, to focus on. And people are often saying, you know, what, well, why does the soul not already know about your past, about his past lives. Well, it does, but it doesn't see it as a past life. And that's why the fears and so on um, can be as acute as they are. You know, for example, if you, if you were judged in front of a court of law in a past life and dragged out and hanged, well, you know, you're going to have a fear of judgment. You know, how public speaking is the number one fear, they, they say. Over and death. <laughs> that's over death. Yeah. That, yeah. That's why uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld say that most people would, they, they'd rather be the person in the casket than the person giving the eulogy. Which is crazy. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, but it's such a huge fear because, mm-hmm. because the soul, okay, you get in a situation where you get up in front of an audience, the soul immediately goes, oh my God, the, this is like when we were in front of that you know, judge and jury or whatever. And oh my God, we're going to die. It's totally kind of, it's, it's irrational, unless you, of course, you know, you see it in the context of a past life, but you can see why the soul would be freaking out because it's, it's making the association. But what we do through finding the past life and talking about it is we remind the soul that that was then and, and this is now. And that particular scenario is not gonna happen. The past is not prologue. The problem is that you might be on life 120, like I was saying, but the, your soul's always on life number one. It doesn't die between lives like the body and the mind. So that's the problem. So it sees it as like, a, like just one long life. And, uh, and so things that happen maybe five lifetimes ago for, for the, the mind and body um, are still present, especially with triggers. You know, like a, a, a trigger is anything that reminds the soul of the past life trauma. So for the person who's been judged and executed if they get up in front of an audience that's a trigger and they that's why people freak out i mean there's more to it because a total phobic reaction can be mm-hmm. that's actually a fear of loss of control you start losing control you start freaking out about that it, it, it turns into full-blown panic attack i used to have this huge 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 fear of public speaking um, and it was literally as i was I was writing the, the instruction in my first book and the spirit guides were saying, you know, you, you can't put a book out into the world and not be able to talk about it, you know, to podcasts and interviews, right. you know, it's not going to work. <laughs> so I, I had to do my own past life work through, you know, to, to really heal that. But I, I didn't talk in public for 30 years. I mean, I, I just, I wouldn't give a, wouldn't have, I wouldn't even go into a room with somebody giving a speech in, in case they went, Oh, let's hear from that guy over there. You mm-hmm. know, I, it, it was a, you know, huge, huge phobia and entirely past life related. Once I found a past life, processed that just by talking, writing about it, um, it the, the fear started to dissipate. And as I say, now you can't shut me up, you know, making up for lost time. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly karma, but it's kind of <laughs> along 
it's but like it wine. Right. balanced, yeah. Do you know what's very funny? If I could share a small story with you, I sure. very recently, just in the last couple of months, did my first past life regression, which was a very odd day, uh, mostly because I, I traveled back and I, I viewed three former lifetimes. I was very surprised to learn I was a woman in all three that I like had looked at. Um, but in all of them, a lot of the disempowered, um, a lot of my life had been taken from me. They all were very tragic, even to the point where the woman who was like guiding me through it was like, this is a very sad, <laughs> this is a lot of sadness. Um, and I was like, apparently, but so, but in all of them, what I found funny was it, there was a theme of disempowerment, but also a strange uh, theme of my strange relationship, I think now with money, because um, mm. a lot of it is like that freedom, right? To, to do what you need to do to go out, but to also not be trapped in abusive relationships, abusive households. And I found it really funny because I was like, well, I am quite like the hoarder of money now where it's just this very, like it's, it's very much that extra safety bit. And I walked back to a, a memory in this lifetime when I was like five. And I think, and I remember um, like stealing like like dimes and nickels and pennies like very like insignificant amounts of money from like my mom's like purse and then I when I was like I wasn't even confronted by it I just like eventually confessed and I was like unconsolably sobbing because in each of those lifetimes when I tried to get away from it I was murdered and so I was Mm. like oh and so it was this very like all kind of clicking moment where I was like, oh my God, because every time I've been like either without that money or felt not safe, I was like, it literally killed me. So it totally explains my five-year-old like visceral reaction of crying. Yes. Even my mom was like, it's not that big of a deal. Like stealing's wrong, but it's, it's just some nickels. Like, you're, like it's fine. And I was unconsolable, but it makes sense in looking at it like, oh, my soul was like, no, 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 no. We're going to die if we do this. That's exactly what happens. That's right. You know, but why, why do somebody have this, you know, crazy reaction to something mm-hmm. that's way overblown? It's because it's a past life association. And, it's and usually very, it's, it's death, yeah. you know, it's like, right. you know, it's like a, a, an example we come across all the time is somebody who's been cheated upon and they, they just, it's the worst thing that's ever happened in the world. And, you know, I, I went through this when I was, when I was younger, first time I was ever cheated upon. It was like, oh my God, I, it was just, it, the bottom dropped out of my world, you know, it was, uh, and I didn't, of course, know then that I have a past life fear of betrayal from being severely betrayed in a past life leading to death. So when it happened, I was, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't prepared for how devastating emotionally it would be. And so anything that you get, like where, where your, your reaction is like, wow, or other people are going, Christ, what's going on with you? It's a sign of there's something much more beneath the surface. You know, what we're seeing all the time is just, you know, in our, in our world is the, the tip of the iceberg and there's all this other stuff, all these past lives behind us. Um, we are you know, very complex, you know, when you, you know, with all of this stuff coming in. You never know what's gonna be triggered as well. A lot of people, with to go to your money thing, this is a fear of loss. Mm. And uh, you know, it's usually to do with having gone from one state to another in a, in a past life. And a lot of people don't know they have a fear of loss until they actually have something to lose. Mm. So it, it, this is why for younger souls particularly, the more money they accumulate, you know, once they start to, you know, they get a home, they get a car, they, they, they savings, you know, and preparing for retirement, they become um, sometimes stingier and stingier, the more wealth they have. Um, it's, it's like they, they now have something they could lose. And so they're, they're clinging on to it. The, the, the most common one that I've seen actually is people who had no idea they had a fear of loss until they had a baby. Suddenly they have something they love and they could lose. And it's like, oh my God, you know, they, they check the breathing 10 times at night and, you know, all kind of stuff. Um, that they, they, the soul has learned from losing maybe someone it really loves or losing this money or whatever property in a past life that bad things can and do happen. You're not immune. They don't, it doesn't just happen to other people. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so yeah, again, triggers. Yeah, for very old souls, especially I'm assuming the very like end of the line, you know, tens. I mean, at some point, haven't you, I would assume that you've experienced each of those losses and fear. So at that point, is it just what's more like dominant that's hanging out as as like the, 
I, I don't think I'm explaining this right. Um, if fear of loss is like your number one big thing, is it because that happened the most or the most recently or just the most traumatic? Because I feel like at some point you've experienced all of the all of the bad yeah. things. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. You know, why why would that be up? It would it it would depend on the trigger. You know, like um, okay, um, let's let's say that you um, you know, you come into this life as an old soul, everything's going you know, pretty well. And then your, your parents get divorced. You're five years old and your parents split up. Um, depending on what's in your soul's past, any number of fears could come up. So you, you could, if you, it just depends on the association your soul makes. So if it sees abandonment as, as the big issue from a past life, this is a fear of rejection, then it, and it will, it will, feel I'm being rejected, you know, the parent leaving is, that's a rejection, even though that's not the intention, it's not really how others would, would see it, that person will see it from the lens of the past life. So uh, another child might feel really betrayed, you know, really let down by uh, the parents, or this huge fear of loss that they're not going to come back, or um, rejection that they're no longer going to get the love that they want you know so it really does depend on what's um you know what's lurking in the past so you you know you could theoretically go through life without really having any fears triggered you wouldn't be living a very interesting life probably <laughs> going anywhere doing anything <laughs> um but it, it, it's different and a lot of it can't be accounted for before coming in to the the world the soul can set up a a rough blueprint, but it can't take care of all the little details and, you know, things that will come up. So um, sometimes it really does blindside the soul, you know, you just, and powerlessness is one, you know, we're talking about that where you've been enslaved or imprisoned. And uh, sometimes that can really rob a person in this life of their ability to see their options or, you know, take action or, or get out of things because they slip back into how they were in a past life, which was, of course, powerless. So they, Mm. That's where they stick in relationships that are awful, you know, far too long, stick in jobs they don't like. You know, it's like they don't feel they have the power. Sometimes you just have to remind them, you know, it's like, hey, you don't have to stick this out, especially mm -hmm. if you do the past life work, you know, Interesting. be able to blow through that. Through that. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, kind of going back to the, the focus of careers and something else you found, you said that I've always found funny because from a visual perspective, I don't know what we look like when we're on the astral plane. Um, but I always just imagine, well, first, I don't know if this is at all accurate, just kind of like more like almost ghosty, like glowing, like kind of white balls of energy. But I, I almost think of just like this group of people over literally a, a blueprint that's like and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and it's like okay like you got the plan like we're going to huddle and then off you go um i don't know if that's accurate that's how it goes in my head but it's this idea of you know and i think particularly for millennials the whole idea of a lot of people having anxiety over like choosing the wrong careers being stuck in the wrong careers um and maybe they've never even let themselves listen to the whole like, oh, maybe this is the career you're supposed to be doing. Maybe you actually were supposed to be a therapist, but somehow you got stuck in like accounting. And that's like the reason you're so upset. Not because accounting is bad, but because it's not what you're supposed to be doing. So, I mean, I just kind of, I want to dive into that and the way people do feel, again, you feel very called to certain careers when you're an older soul, a spiritualist type. It's it's that helping career and just what happens to people to decide to discover that but then what happens when you're off that life plan like how are how are those people feeling and how can they kind of correct that that was very well, loaded, lot, but yeah yeah well a lot of people <laughs> i work with you know they're, they're uh square pegs and round holes you know they're, mm. especially with work that's the the one thing you know we live in a world with spirit guides spirit world say that the world we live in was not meant to be this way you know, it's, it's it just in so many ways. I, I mean, I think I, I could probably write a book about this at some point. This is really not how it's, it's supposed to be. One of the things that we, we, you know, we have these soul types and we should all be in situations where we can use this. Now, a few hundred or a few thousand years ago, there was no problem. You know, you come into the, the world as a, say, a creator type, as, as I am, and you have a career as a, as a potter or a jewelry maker or, or whatever. Um, living in this sort of corporate run world that we're in, we are so much more limited than, 
you know, uh, the, you know, so many of us, what are our options? They're, they're going to be, you know, nine to five jobs. We have the lack of freedom. That's going to start pissing off the soul. Uh, the routine, same old, same old. Lack of opportunity. Um, it's it's really soul crushing what so many people go through. And that's why I get, I the majority of my clients are between 37 and 43. And they're, they're surrounding the 40 mark. And so many of them are in the corporate world or just to that point where they're going, I can't stand it anymore. They're, they, they're just that, they're, it seems like purposeless. There's a lack of um, deeper meaning uh, in, in the work that they do. And so what I help people to do is, well, let's figure out who you are and find work, um, find a path that's going to be appropriate for you. First thing that I see all the time is so many of the people that I work with are meant to be either self-employed or as close to self-employed as they can, as they can get. Um, they're not meant to be micromanaged. They're not meant to be in that sort of uh, place where they're doing everything according to the, the manual or whatever, the way it's always been done before. These are creative people who would, you know, they want to be able to, you know, bring their own personality to what they do. And, and you know, or I'll see people who are very um, rational thinker types in jobs where they, they're just doing the same old, same old. And they, they, the, the soul is bored. It's, it's, there's no forward movement. You know, you're flatlining. And um, so there's all these reasons that the soul will want to make some big changes. And particularly when it sees 40, that's a, that's a big one. But this, this, the funny thing about the soul is that it's, it's conscious of the decade markers. So it's always when you come up to 20, 30, 40, 50, and so on, that it's saying, okay, where do we go from here? How do we recalibrate? What's next? What's next for this, the duration, maybe for the next 10, 20 years? Um, it's always looking to sort of yeah, we'll get back a little bit back on, on track. Most of the people that I, I work with are not totally off track. You know, they're, they're not um, deep sea divers when they should be astronauts or something. I mean, that's a terrible <laughs> example, you know, but um, they just need a tweak, you know, it's just like a, it's not a huge, huge thing. Uh, but some people, it's, it's radical. You know, you were talking about the, the, you know, the kind of person who would, um, you know, be an accountant. I mean, you know, I've worked with a lot of people who are, who are accountants. Um, in fact, the, the, a lot of creative people who should be, you know, ideally in a more sort of creative world will, will end up doing it. They're, they're, you know, they might be quite kind of good with numbers and it seemed like a good choice. And the parents said, yeah, he wants something solid and, you know, good career behind you. And um, teachers or whatever said, yeah, you know, you're, you're good at math. You could be an accountant. And, and, you know, of course, by the time they come to me at age 40, they're going, ah, so bored. You know, how, how do I, you know, how do I get out of this? So, um, and, and yet, I mean, there's some people who might at the age of 40 become accountants. I mean, it's like, you know, if, if that were appropriate. But usually what the, what the soul's looking for is, the old soul, is it, as it gets to this point, um, it, it wants to find something that, where people benefit. You know, where you feel like you're making a positive mark on the world. There, where there's a sense of higher purpose and you know, if, if let's say you're a performer soul type, you want to make sure you're connecting with people. If you're a caregiver type, you want to make sure it's something where you're able to uh, nurture where everything comes from the heart. You want work that's appropriate for who you are. And that's the, the, the beauty. Every, every session I do, we start by looking at who you are, um, soul type and, and influences. Because, uh, and I, I, I joke about it being like going to the, the doctor and getting height, weight, blood tests, scans, x-rays, and everything. It tells us, you know, everything about yeah. you. And, um, you know, and what sort, of, what sort of activities are going to be right for you. Um, the problem too, again, you know, the world is not meant to be the way it is. You know, a lot of us are trapped financially. You know, we're stuck in jobs we don't like, but we can't get out of it because we've got the huge mortgage and you know, expenses and the kids are at school or whatever. Um, and, and we get trapped. And that now, if you, if you have a past my fear of powerlessness that we were talking about, you know, don't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Being trapped is one of the worst things for the soul. That feeling of, um, oh my God, this could be my life, you know, whether it's a relationship, work or, or whatever. Um, and anytime you feel like, oh gosh, I, you know, I'm bored or, um, oh, is this really it or isn't there more or I feel like something's missing. It really is, you, you, you should be questioning it. Like really think, well, 
how what can you do to change how can you how can you shake things up a bit because the last thing you want to do the last thing soul would want you to do is just kind of fall into a place of complacency or powerlessness like i was saying before and say oh this is just the way it is okay just you know we all have way more power than we think we have um you know to change things you know to really radically um change our lives um and sometimes really need we need to do that you know if your life if you feel ah, my life's just really not working for me well step back and 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 start thinking about well what could you do to really shake things up i mean uh sometimes it could be quite radical you know like to say well you know what about you know giving up your job, selling up and going travel the world or something like that. You know, a lot of people come in with a mission of exploration, which is all about travel, and then are not able to, to go and explore the world like the, the soul want, wants to. Um, so sometimes, you know, if you can make a radical change like that, other times it can be just taking a different job in the same company. Um, you know, but as we were talking about before, for most of the people I work with, they're looking for something that gives them a lot of autonomy and uh, where they, they don't have to answer to somebody all the time, um, where they're able to take responsibility and make their own creative decisions. That's really important um, for, for, in fact, most old souls, you know, really need that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're stifled and you can't ever, you know, make your own creative decisions. So it's just like you might as well not, not be there. You know, it's, it then just becomes all about just paying the bills, nothing more. Also kind of where like a midlife crisis comes from and depending oh, yeah. on the severity is, yeah, it's not actually really them as much as it's their soul being like, like stop being an accountant. You're supposed to be a painter. But like if yeah. when they verbalize it, their family is like, what? Like you've never oh, right. picked up a paintbrush before. Like, is that yeah. where it's really coming from? Well, the midlife crisis is absolutely, that's why it's usually, let's just say this, the, the soul is eyeing 40, you know, where are we going to be at 40? Um, or it could be later. Uh, it could be then, okay, where do we go from here? It's not always just specifically around the, the, that one date, but uh, yeah, the midlife crisis, you know, for a lot of people it would be around mid thirties, the, the job that they, they came out of college and got, and they thought it would be the be all and the end all isn't quite so great. The, the relationship they thought was going to be terrific. It's kind of running its course. You know, they're kind of getting to that point where, you know, it is, yeah, the midlife crisis is, is, is hitting. You can head off the midlife crisis by making sure that you're on track and doing things that you're meant to be doing. You know, if you're meant to be a writer, if you start writing, that will sort of settle things down a little bit. You know, if you're meant to be a traveler, start traveling. You know, your, your, your midlife crisis will, will, will ease. Um, but it's, it's a lot to do with the soul feeling we're not in the right place right now. And a lot of it's to do with the soul as well, kind of trying to throw out signs of discomfort or boredom or whatever it might be to try to get you to, to make a change. There's something um, that's it's come up a lot in the work that I've done over the years where somebody is, is stuck. And one of the first things the spirit guides will say to them is, well, take a class. You know, and, and even I remember one time, Somebody said, well, what, what kind of a class? And the, the spirit guy said, well, ceramics, and just as an idea. And she said, oh, great, I've always wanted to do that. And they said, or astrophysics. And it was like, what? Well, they said, it's whatever intrigues you. Don't worry about it. Don't think about, well, how am I going to use this or, or whatever? What, what are you interested in right now? Start to, um, it's just, it unsticks you if you start to learn new things, meet new people, go out, you know, make it start changing your life change up things mm -hmm. you know reinvent yourself um so I think, I think that's a great piece of advice and obviously very easy to that though yeah. i mean is there a way that and i think again I, I believe you said if you're a spiritualist type you're also traditionally quite intuitive naturally mm -hmm. um but is there a way for someone who you know maybe isn't able to work with you directly like how do you get your spirit guides to really talk to you you know so like if you're sitting there saying like i need i know i need a change i just don't know to what you know like give me a you know point me in the <clears> right <throat> direction like how how can they really tap into that conversation well you know the first thing i would do is call in spirit guides i would make sure that i've got their help so i literally say i call upon my spirit guides and you know please give me some advice here i would verbally and write down questions 
I mean, I would, you know, I would analyze, I would say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm unhappy. Um, uh, you know, I'm in this situation. How do I change? This is what I'm looking for. Think about what do you want, what do you want your life to look like? Maybe a five-year goal. So you think, well, in five years time, I want to have, let's say I want to have meaningful work and I want to be in a great relationship. I want to be pregnant or whatever, you know, and, and you, you, once you get clear about where it is you, you really want to go, that's the, that's 50% of the, the, the battle, really. Mm. Now, as a spirit guide say, most people spend more time planning their Thanksgiving dinner than they do planning their entire life, you know? So right. it, it's important to get, get connected to these, these goals. You know, it, it's very important to be in the moment. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's also really important to have things to look forward to, for the soul to feel like it's, it's got uh, goals and, and missions to, to accomplish and so on. So start to think about where you want to be and then sort of come back and think about, well, you know, what, what then could I start doing now to, to start changing things? You know, um, you know uh, small steps can be, you know, it doesn't have to be huge, but the, the start making the smaller you know, smaller steps will lead to making, you know, much bigger, maybe more radical steps further down the line. Mm. And um, a quick side question for spirit guides, because we all have them, right? We all have them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is it, yeah, I mean, is it a certain number? Is it, is it one? Is it a small team of three? Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Uh, that's an interesting question. It, 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 it varies. Now, um, you know, I, people get very hung up, I think, sometimes about who are my spirit guides. Um, people will ask me that for some bizarre reason. It's been happening, happening for 20 years where when people want to know the names of their spirit guides, they will ask me around about 59 minutes into a 60-minute session. It's like, can you tell me who my spirit guides are? I'll go like, well, you know, no, not in this time. Because what the spirit guides will do is they will always say we want to t- talk about there's no point in giving you just a name. What the heck? You can, you, it's not much use. They want to talk about how you knew that uh, spirit before, you know, past life connection, what their focus is, how they're helping you, how to best communicate with them, and, and so on. So it's a, it's a, bigger, it's a bigger conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the good thing to know is that everybody has spirit guides. Um, you, want to, you want to put things out to them. Like I was saying before, you want to verbalize it and you want to write your questions. Because I put this in one of my books. Somebody, somebody said, <coughs> excuse me, one time they, they told me that they, they didn't feel they had a connection with their, their spirit guides. And I, I said, are you writing your questions as well as verbalizing them? And she said, no, I'm just thinking them. And the spirit guide said to me, you know, it's hard enough being a spirit guide without having to be a mind reader too. And, you know, it's a really good point. It's like make things as easy for them as it is, you know, as, as it can be. So verbalizing, writing things down and uh, talking about it. Now, what I do when I, when I want something, when I want to manifest something or the spirit guides help in, in something, I talk to them about it all the time. Mm. I go out for a walk. I, I bring the spirit guides in immediately. And I, I run through, I usually have like three main goals, you know, help, help me with these three things. And then I'm specific about what I want, you know, and, and also maybe a date we, we talk about. And it's, you know, it, it could be, yeah, please help me to manifest this by the end of summer and make it really, really clear what it is you want from the, from the spirit world. But then talk to other people about it. You know, the, again, another story I tell all the time was, that years ago, when I first started doing this work, someone I was talking to a client about manifestation. She, told, she, she said she had read somewhere that if you really want something, you write it down on a piece of paper, you fold it up, put it in a drawer, and close it, forget about it. And I still laugh when I think about the spirit guide's reaction to it, because it was like they're sort of practically fainting. You know, oh, my God, I couldn't believe it's, it's so wrong. <laughs> it's like so not how it works. You know? <laughs> if, if you want something... You talk to people about it. You talk to your spirit guides. You you share it maybe with friends. You know, like um, you know what it's like if you, you know, maybe you really want a relationship and you don't tell anybody. You know, if you've got that little folded piece of paper saying I want a relationship and you you put it away, it could be years, you know, before it happens. But if you, if everybody in your circle knows you're looking for a relationship right now, well, maybe one of them says, Hey, I've got a friend who's single. Why don't you guys meet? 
share your dreams, you know, talk to people about you know, what you want. You never know how somebody might step up and say, oh, I could, I could help you there. This is a sort of basic manifestation thing. It is really important to share your dreams and uh, uh, make it, you, the clearer, the more repetition I think is so, so important mm -hmm. it, because you get clear about it. Actually, one of the things about repeatedly asking for these, uh, asking for the help of the spirit guides is that over time you might think, you know, wait a minute, I'm not so sure that's exactly what I want, you know. Um, you, you can tweak it and maybe, maybe you realize, yeah, that, maybe that wasn't what I was wanting, maybe something else. It's, uh, whereas if you're not thinking about it from one time to, you know, next mm -hmm. six months go by, um, you're not getting a chance to sort of process or evolve um, that way. So, you know, that is my insider tip. You want something, yeah. talk to your spirit guides about it. Get all, all, everybody on the same page. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I was, you know, they, they have nothing else to do, but help you is something I <laughs> want to say. They, they don't have any other purpose, you know? I think that that's great because I, when I first started getting into this work, which is about like a year, year and a half ago, there were times where I was even phrasing it. And maybe I always laugh. This is my, just my Midwestern niceness where I would like apologize. I'd be like, I'm sorry if you're busy or if this is like annoying, like if you've talked to me too much, I'm like, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> So it's good to know that this is really like, this is their purpose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh God. What, what was it? I said, there was something I said to the spirit guides. I put this in my first book. What was it? I was saying, right. To, oh my God. I'm having a senior moment. I was saying to them something like, uh, do you mind if I ask if uh, such and such? And they were going, uh, no. And I kept getting the answer. No. And, and I realized they were saying, no, they didn't mind. <laughs> They're oh. saying, do you mind if I ask you? <laughs> uh, no, yeah. we don't mind. Uh, and, but actually, it was part of a bigger lesson because of me doing it as a, as a career. It wouldn't matter so much if you just sort of, you know, casually asking a question. Uh, the, I mean, spirit guides are, you know, they're, they're smart enough to know, you know, colloquial idioms and so on. Um, but when they were training me to, to do the work that I do, um, uh, they were so pedantic. It was, it, it was ridiculous, you know, so I had to learn to frame questions unambiguously and, mm. and so on. And this is one of the, the ways that they, they train me. None of that throat clearing, do you mind, very polite British way of uh, talking, you know, I was British or Midwest. Um, yeah. yeah, it was just like uh, going, no, just ask the question really directly. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's where I'm ending this episode of the Make an Impact podcast with Ainsley McLeod. Even during the recording of this episode, I was so engrossed in the conversation with him. I was so blown away by all of the information, just really understanding our soul's journey, where we're coming from, why we are the way that we are, and why those of us who are called to healing, helping professions are truly called into healing and helping professions. I just think that it is so profound, so incredible. And honestly, maybe you've made it to the end of this episode and you're like, uh, girl, this seemed a little crazy. And honestly, that's fine. This is nothing that people have to buy into. This is nothing that you have to believe right off the bat. But if anything resonated with you today, I mean, take that to heart, sit with it, feel it. I, there are so many things that I, again, have read or heard him say before that honestly, sometimes I'm like, wow, that really is a little nuts. And other times it's, I just, I literally have welled up with tears because I'm like, oh my God, I feel seen. I feel heard. I feel understood. And so, you know, in one, you know, explanation, just things that I have thought and felt my entire life that have felt very unexplainable now all of a sudden feel explained. So if any of this resonated with you, if you feel it deep down in your old soul, then I am so glad and make sure to come back on Wednesday when I drop the bonus episode, which honestly is just a bunch of miscellaneous questions about uh, the soul, the journey of our soul, spirit guides, um, very particularly a lot about soulmates um, and more specifically romantic soulmates uh, because we do have many, many people in our lives who not only are well, first of all, he'll explain that we do have multiple romantic soulmates, uh, but that the so many people in our lives are also our soulmates just in different capacities. Soulmates are not always romantic relationships and the members of our soul family. And it's just so incredibly fascinating. So make sure that you come back on Wednesday for that kind of mishmash of an episode. It definitely doesn't fit the rest of the Make an Impact content, but just in the sense that it's it's not nonprofit and business themed, but I thought it was 
so fascinating and I didn't want to hold the information for myself. I wanted to share it. So come back then. And until then, I hope that you enjoyed and love this episode. I hope that you become a little bit more in tune with your soul, with listening to what your soul truly wants, where you're going in life and honestly, and how you can be using that to make a better impact on your world. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Make an Impact podcast. If you enjoyed yourself, would you do a little rate, review, subscribe dance? And if you really enjoyed yourself, would you share this on social media so someone else could catch the impact bug? Until next time, friend, I can't wait to see what kind of impact you make on your world. I wanted to share it. So come back then. And until then, I hope that you enjoyed and love this episode. I hope that you become a little bit more in tune with your soul, with listening to what your soul truly wants, where you're going in life and honestly, and how you can be using that to make a better impact on your world. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Make an Impact podcast. If you enjoyed yourself, would you do a little rate, review, subscribe, dance? And if you really enjoyed yourself, would you share this on social media so someone else could catch the impact bug? Until next time, friend, I can't wait to see what kind of impact you make on your world.